I waltzed all night with the Prince of Timbuktu He praised my beauty to the skies And when I looked into his eyes I realized the Prince looked just like you I dreamed that I was Queen of Spain Sailing on the bounding main When a lofty pirate ship hove into view A handsome buccaneer so bold And captured me in all my gold I let him hold me cause he looked like you I dreamed I was princess of Bombay Inspecting my army one Monday A thousand men came marching by Each looked like you, each winked his eye Gee, I wish I could have slept till Sunday I dreamed that at my coronation I shocked every foreign nation Giving up my throne to marry you Cause I'd be queen of all the world The day you say that I'm your girl Yes, it's as bad as I remember it, but it was a dream song. I dreamed. That's Betty Johnson, 1956 on Bally. Got to number nine on the pop charts. Fortunately, didn't chart R&B. She was a regular on Bob McNeil's Breakfast Club. She also was pretty much a regular on Jack Parr's Tonight Show. And at the time, she was married to conductor Charles Randolph Green. So Betty Johnson was a big deal back then. And I Dreamed was one of her big hits. And we will be talking about dreaming with Kelly Sullivan Walden, dream expert, as soon as she makes it home. I hope she doesn't live in Los Angeles. That could take hours. Yeah, I grew up in Los Angeles, and we had, you know, erratic traffic at any time. You know, it was a thing where, as a teenager, you could be out at 2 in the morning, be in a traffic jam. Of course, you'd come home and tell mom, and she'd say, I don't believe it, but it was absolutely true. Now, man, the last time I was there, which is within the last year, it was like two hours to get anywhere. And part of this I blame on all these apps that give you alternate routes because, you know, those of us who were natives, all three of us, uh, we knew the surface streets and we knew how to get around. And now the surface streets are just packed. And I'm pretty sure that it's the maps and the other things on the phones that say exit here. Like, no, no, stay on that. But, <laughs> but indeed, if uh, if Kelly is in Southern California, we're in, we're in deep trouble. I'll be prattling on the rest of the night. So uh, hopefully uh, you'll check out uh, kellysullivanwalden.com and we'll find out about your dreams and uh, everybody's got them although occasionally you hear from somebody i don't dream well actually you don't remember them and there are there are things you can do supposedly to entice you to do that uh, then again i'm not sure that you want to you know, my buddy Marianne, Marianne Ghostbuster, Marianne Winkowski, she's got all sorts of things you can do to make you remember your dreams. And uh, I'm horrified to say it works. Then I realize I don't want to remember that. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. I'm trying to get a good night's sleep. And next hour, Robert Katzberg, the author of The Vanishing Trial, The Era of Courtroom Performers and the Perils of Its Passing, should be, uh, should be a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, although also... A lot of horror when you realize what's been going on with regard to the court system and and trials. But I do believe I do believe that uh, that Kelly has made it home. She braved the traffic and got there. So Kelly Sullivan Walden, I was just saying, I hope you don't live in Los Angeles. You'd have never made it home. Oh uh, yeah, I do live in Los Angeles. <laughs> oh well, then yeah, yeah. Well, see, this is the thing, and I I relate completely. I'm I'm a native, and I was saying earlier, you know, before apps, uh, we had all our secret ways. Now I don't care what street you're on; you can't get from here to there. 
Right, right. Waze doesn't work anymore. And we had a shutdown of all of the the power on my street earlier. So I was trying to figure out where to go. And it's been a crazy Mercury retrograde-ish kind of a day. But no Mercury retrograde. It's just, you know... A no. little drama, but I'm here. I'm so excited to be with you. Oh, well, good, good, good. Yes, astrologically, August is kind of in some ways the doldrums, but things really heat up in September. This could get interesting. Yes, I think it will. I mean, it's we're in, living in interesting times, no matter the school forecast. <laughs> yeah. Every day is... There's a lot. We're dreaming a lot, too, right now. Well, and that's sort of what I, what I want to talk about. And uh, I, I have a good friend who has a closet in her dreams. It's full of clothes, and she wears them oh. in her dreams. But it's always the same oh. closet and always the same clothes, but she doesn't have them in her waking state. Now, how... Oh. Yeah, and they're all... And I mean, this has been going on for years. So, oh, my goodness. I love this dream. Okay, so, well, I, I would have... I have a few questions for her about these clothes, but um, I'll just, should I just, I'm just going to launch right in, shall I? Absolutely. Okay, if it were my dream, and I'm dreaming about a closet full of clothes that I'm not wearing, I think clothes represents, they're sort of like a uniform. The clothes often tell us about a persona, a way of being, like, are they conservative? Are they really feminine? Are they sexy? Are they too big? Are they too small? So they represent some aspect of self maybe that's in the closet. It's not being expressed right now, but it exists within her and it's maybe to be cultivated. Maybe it's maybe it's an as- it represents an aspirational aspect of self that she doesn't quite fit yet or or that she used to fit but no longer does. So um, I've got more questions yeah. for her, but it's about a persona okay. that um, isn't necessarily the true her, but it's an aspect of her that's hidden, and that, like as, as if to say hidden resources that she hasn't yet found a way to access. Interesting. Well, now, I don't have any clothes in my dreams, as far as I know. I've never noticed. But I've got cities. I've got interstates. Oh. I've, got, I've got buildings. I have entire mm. areas. And, and see, the thing is, it'd be one thing if it was in just one dream. But I mean, for like 20 years, I've got this whole mm. interstate thing, and I've got this one building that is in all the dreams, and I know just where it is within the city, but none of this exists. What's the building like? Is it is it modern? Is it old-fashioned? Yeah. No, is it high-rise? Yeah, it's a high-rise. It's, it's, it's relatively modern, and uh, it's, uh, okay. it, it's sort of in a downtown area. I actually used to live in downtown L.A. before it got trendy. When I lived at uh, 9th and Flower, oh. no one would come there. But uh, they, didn't have bu- <laughs> they, they didn't have buildings like this then, I guarantee it. Uh, but they do now. Uh, but, yeah, so, it, oh. you know, it would be something modern. But, I mean, I've had this, like I say, uh, like 20, 25, 30 years. What's your feeling about the building? Do you like it? Does it inspire you? Is it just is it kind of gothic and like ah oppressive or or is it exciting? None of those. It's just there. Now what it's I what just- I- it's just there. What I will say, okay. and you know, I I rarely would normally think to talk to anybody about dreams because it just doesn't come right. up. But I did talk to my husband, and we compared notes, and both of us say the dreams are always confusing, just mildly disturbing. There's never anything good about them. There's mm. never anything terrible. Mm. And what I find is some of the classic symbols. I have been stuck in so many ele- elevators that Otis would be out of business. Uh, hall- <laughs> hallways, man, hallways that 
long, narrow, dark hallways that go nowhere, stairwells to hell. Oh, yeah, this is my typical nighttime fare. And uh, yeah, so so obviously I'm I'm deranged. But other than that, what does this mean? Well, clearly, yeah. No, no, no. Okay, so (laughs) if they, I'm just going to unpack each of these. So a building. So I often look at dreams from the perspective of yin and yang, masculine, feminine, and like anything that is like man-made, as a, like a building as opposed to an ocean. I think it represents a part of self that is like the strong masculine aspect of self that builds things, that, that creates things, and that it's, it's got like a, an edge to it. So it's a part of me that is like man-made or that lives in this world, that, that is concerned with the things of this world. And so in all of these things, in fact, the elevator is usually about succeeding or attempt, because we have a thing in our subconscious mind that's like we tend to favor up over down so on an elevator we're trying to even just the word elevate it symbolizes like going up somewhere so it usually is like rep going up in the world succeeding somebody who, who has a lot of elevators in the dream if, if it were mine i would say it's success oriented trying to move up in the world quickly or trying to elevate their status trying to elevate their mood trying to elevate trying to lift up um but yet stairways, you said going down. Or up. To me, or up. Okay, so stairways are, they're like an elevator, but just slower. They're, they're step by step. They're, they're, but they're moving somewhere between realities, between like if each floor is kind of like a chapter in your life or an aspect of yourself, the stairway is the bridge in between. Just like a hallway is also, it, it represents like a gap in between something. Usually our destination is never the hallway unless we're sneaking out like with our lover or something like that, which I'm sure that's not no, no. you. But, there there but are no hallway, lovers. No, no, nothing like that in these dreams. No, that, that'll be another show for another yeah. time. But, <laughs> but the hallway is about getting somewhere. It's a, it's, trying to find it's like being in the in-between so it's kind of like a parking lot in a sense but but there's movement usually and trying to find one's way in between from one from one clear moment to the next so whatever room you had been in there's like it's like being in the gap in between or integrating whatever the next thing is so um, and by the way down if you happen to be in the the um, stairway and it's going down or the elevator going down. My particular perspective is that it's not a bad thing. It's not like things are all going to hell. It's just, it's like you're getting grounded. You're going deeper. You can't always go up. Otherwise you just, you know, it becomes manic. It's like sometimes we need the downs in order to, to ground what, how far we've gone. It seems, and you know, this, if this is true, then this makes sense, then I'm, I'm obviously stuck, because uh, it seems like uh, the hallways, they don't go anywhere, and I can't get out of them, and, and the, the stairwells, same deal, the elevators, of course, you know, hell, sometimes they go sideways, but, you know, <laughs> bottom line is, I am absolutely stuck, and, and sometimes it's like, oh, taking this elevator would be easier, but I'm not taking it because I'm usually stuck in it, so I'll just go the long way, and then, then something worse happens, you know, that, that type of logic, so... Uh, oh. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay, so I don't. So in a way, the way we do anything is the way we do everything. Mm-hmm. But I would say there's like a there's a piece missing at the end where you get to where you get to figure out your happy ending. Because a lot of people we we wake up from a dream frustrated, but 
most people don't realize, at least this is my perspective, that, that a dream that is unpleasant or even a nightmare is simply unfinished. It, it's not meant to leave us frustrated. It's meant to move us forward toward some kind of epiphany or some kind of solution, and maybe we just haven't grokked it yet, but we're making progress. So in the waking state, there's a way to cheat, kind of like a, a dream hack, so yeah. to speak. In your waking state, you can imagine, like as if in a meditation, imagine your dream, like you are right now, even just in the conversation, but imagine that you're suddenly lucid in that hallway dream or in that not going on the elevator because you're afraid it's going to get stuck, so taking the long way, but you suddenly, you're lucid now, and you're like, hey, I'm dreaming. I can do things different. I don't have to stay stuck. If I was to break this pattern, whatever that stuck pattern was, how might I break it? And then once broken, what might I do? And you can do anything in a lucid dream or even in an imagined lucid dream. You could call in an angel. You could call on an airplane. You could you could break through a wall. You could snap your fingers and be right where you want to be. So I would ask you to, to finish this series of dreams by imagining that you fast-forwarded by time-lapse camera all the way to the place where you have your breakthrough and you have your epiphany. Um, so what would happen? That's, that's my question. I don't know if you want to answer that right now. Well, that would be fun to know. I don't know that I can, but when you're talking about lucid dreaming or things that will turn into reality, the only thing I know, and maybe this is because I'm an old person, officially a fossil you're talking to. The, the <laughs> no, only, you're not. Oh, absolutely. You're gorgeous. Oh, yes. I've seen your pictures. <laughs> yeah, you're hot. Uh, so the only motivation I know is I'll have these dreams about having to go to the bathroom. And, you know, mm-hmm. and, and don't even ask about the bathrooms. These can be nightmares from hell or whatever. Or maybe you can't mm-hmm. find one. You know, you're on the interstate and it right. says next exit 230 miles or whatever. <laughs> and, you know, you, you know, I mean, next exit the entire state of Utah or whatever. And you're saying to yourself, I got to go, I got to go. And then, of course, I will right. wake up and realize, yes, I had to go. Right. Okay. So bathroom dreams, that this is interesting. In my, my dream oracle deck, right before they got published, I was taking out the bathroom card because I thought if somebody pulls this card, they're not going to be happy with this because that's not usually a pleasant dream. But on that very day, I had about five people that shared their bathroom dreams with me. And I finally told somebody I was about to take it out. She said, no, it's the most incredible symbol. You got to keep it in. And I did keep it in the deck, and it's it's actually a source of joy for people because the whole notion of the bathroom, it's symbolic of releasing something so that you can feel lighter, so that you can feel better, so that you don't have to carry around excess weight. Um, if you have to if you have to urinate in a dream, and it's sometimes it is related to we actually are trying to wake ourselves up so that Correct. we can go to the bathroom. Yeah. However, Sometimes there's the symbolic aspect, too, that maybe we're pissed off about something, <laughs> but we're holding on to it, and we don't have a perfect outlet for it or off-ramp, a place to be able to offload that pissosity. So we're maybe used to holding it longer than need be, and maybe it's a message to find a healthy way to offload and turn off that off-ramp and find a place to primal scream or, or strangle somebody that isn't going to, you know, that's going to like it. <laughs> And not, yeah. not retaliate. <laughs>
It's, it's interesting. The only thing I know about the bathrooms in the dreams are the Department of Health would clearly shut these puppies down. These are right. these are not places you ever want to be. But in fact, at that time, I'm relieved that I can wake up and uh, and heed the yes. call to nature. But you know, here I've told you. Here, I, I've already told my inner but, innermost uh, truths here. Uh, bathroom dreams, elevator right. dreams. So what what I want is callers. That's what I want because I can tell okay. you, you will be able able to get to the bottom of their their psyche. So eight 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 seven six five five nine three. Nobody will know who you are on the radio. Eight 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 R O L L Y E. I'm Raleigh James. I'm talking to Kelly Sullivan Walden. Kelly Sullivan Walden dot com on WGN Radio. Sleep and dream in the morning. When I'm wide awake, my eyes light up. I don't break up, This is what I've always missed. So when I take you in my arms and look into your eyes, then you tell me, darling, that you're ready to be kissed tonight. myself on playing the original 45. Something tells me I needed to clean that a little better, but that's the Keystoners. Yeah, Philadelphia vocal group Harmony. They were great. Sleep and Dream 1961 on the Riff label. Yeah, right before lead singer died, they did uh, did a great song that uh, Val Shively produced that uh, I'll, uh, I'll play one night gossip. But yeah, that's the Keystoners. I don't think they're very well known outside of Pennsylvania. But we are talking about your dreams, don't you know? And 888-876-5593, 8888-R-O-L-L-Y-E. And you know, this is, this is a unique chance because you know, I can't analyze your dreams, forget about it. But... But Kelly can, KellySullivanWalden.com. And uh, Kelly, we've got our first victim, not victim, caller. Uh, this would be <laughs> Johnny B in, in Youngstown. Hello, Johnny. Hello, Raleigh. Uh, this is unusual. Uh, today is Thursday, isn't it? It is Thursday. <laughs> well, I normally talk to you on Friday. Well, but, you normally do. Um, all right. Uh, so I was listening. Actually, I've been listening uh, since you started tonight. So you're uh, the one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought I'd try to figure it out, and I went to your website, and they had the radio station. You had it on your page, on page, mm-hmm. so I clicked on it. And then I got to the station you're on, and I'm listening. Okay. And uh, so I'm downstairs now in the basement with Caesar. <laughs> Remember I said you a picture Caesar? Yes, Caesar uh, is a delight. Yeah, he's a bad motor scooter, like I always say. Um, so we're down here, and I'm listening to your guest, uh, your and uh, a dream. Well, firstly, let me ask you this, because when, when you first came on this hour or whatever, you mentioned Buddy Rich. Now, he's a drummer, isn't he? No, no, Buddy Guy. Buddy Guy. Oh, I thought you said Buddy Rich. Buddy okay, Guy. my He's mistake. Buddy Guy, 84 years old today, and he has uh, Buddy Guy's Legend, 700 South Wabash in Chicago. Mm. I see. <laughs> well, I was confused. I confused him with Buddy Rich. I don't even know if he's still alive. Uh, 
he was a drummer. Yes, I know. know. Yes. <laughs> the reason I, uh, well, when you said that, I confused him. And when I was with one of the groups in my younger days, uh, the drummer was, uh, that was his idol. Well, so It's been a while. Gone. Been a while. Buddy died in 87. Buddy Rich did. Yeah, 87. Right. Buddy Guy still wow. with us. 81 today. Now that we've got that straight, tell me about your dream. All right, well, my dream. Now, I originally had this dream when I was uh, probably 11, 12 years old, which is, well, 12 from 68. I don't do the math. All right. uh, So, but I've had it uh, reoccurring through the years. Mm -hmm. Uh, What it is, I'm in a... uh, well, we used to play baseball when I was around that age, 11, 12, down a baseball field. It was called Parker Field. And mm-hmm. uh, my dad took me down there to Parker Field. When, and this actually happened when I was about, oh, 10, 11, 12 years old. And uh, he had bought me a, uh, a kite. Uh, but the kite wasn't a regular paper kite. It was like a uh, rocket ship balloon type thing, right? Mm. It was like a balloon, but it was supposed to be a kite. And it, went, you know, it was worked like a kite and everything. And um, it was a white rocket ship, you know, pretty big. You know, I mean, the thing was bigger than me at the time. So anyhow, wow. he took me down to Parker Field, which was right down the road from where we lived when I was a kid. And um, we did this kite, and it went up. It went up high. I mean, it, it really—it was a windy day. My dad figured a good day to fly a kite, and I'm one of five kids now. Three three boys. I have two brothers, two sisters. But anyhow, mm-hmm. so he took me down the field there, and uh, this kite went up, and it's like way up in the air. You know, a couple hundred feet. Seemed like you know, and. Uh, so he he's doing he's operating the the kite, and uh, so then he hands me the string roll of uh, string and everything that it's on, and I could barely hold this darn thing, you know. I mean, because I'm I'm only eleven, twelve years old, ten, eleven probably, and this kite is really tugging, you know, really tugging, and uh, I can't hold on, right. So then I give it back to my dad, and he's doing it. And then in the dream, the next thing I know, I'm the kite. I'm way Ooh. up in the air, about 200 feet, all right? And Ooh. I'm scared, but I'm not scared because I know my dad is in control of the kite. Mm. And I've had this dream about uh, since I originally had the dream at 11 years old. I've had it occur in my dreams, probably about 10, 15 times in my life. Okay. So what does it mean? So that's what's up. All right. What's that mean? Oh, wow. Okay. I love this dream, and I love this connection to this memory. Um, If it were my dream, I always have to preface that, because no one on the planet should tell you definitively what your dream means. I just like to, um, because I'm a frequent flyer, I could just give you a few some insight based on my experience. So if it were my dream, I'd think this is a really 
first of all, it's connecting me to this high, no pun intended, actually pun totally intended, to this high memory of being connected to my dad. And to me, it feels like it's a message, like anytime there's flight in a dream, it means that there's some kind of level of mastery, some level of being able to really explore the the boundaries of who you're capable of being. And most of us, we're capable of doing so much more than we than we actually do, but because we don't feel safe, we don't feel we feel like the the other shoe's going to drop or well the rug will get pulled out from beneath us. But it seems like from your perspective, there you had this imprint of an awareness that your dad. It's like your dad's got your back. Your dad's got a hold of you. So I imagine mm-hmm. that whatever you've been able to do in your life, there's some tether that brings you back to, I can take a risk. I can do this this thing that is maybe a little scary or a stretch for me because my dad's got me. And dad in a dream, even though we all, of course, have a dad, dad can also be I'm a metaphor for our, like, you know, not to get religious on you, but like God, you know, that you're, that you, somebody's got you that's, that's, that's more powerful than you. So you can make a risk, take a risk and and stretch your boundaries so i think this is a dream worth meditating on it's really powerful i love it thank you for sharing it johnny b how does that does that land for you no pun intended uh, uh, well i i think uh, i'm following i'm following what your what your interpretation is uh but one thing i wanted to point out in the dream all right um like i said originally i had this dream when i was about 11 in the dream, I'm always 11. <laughs> right. In other words, yeah. Well, this also, is often my dad have is a young man. Well, of course your dad's okay. a young man, because you're having the dream from the perspective of that point in time. Yeah. And this, is, this feels like sometimes a recurring dream will bring us back to a special time, because it's, it's the agenda of our dreams, basically the agenda of our subconscious mind, ultimately though sometimes in a circuitous fashion, its goal is to bring us to a place of our own empowerment. It's, they're basically, they're, our dreams are trying to awaken us out of our fear, out of our drama, to a place where we feel really good about ourselves. And this dream really does that because it connects you to a, a significant memory. As one of five kids, I imagine you didn't get a lot of one-on-one time with Dad. So this was special. And... It was. It was. I. 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 I remember that day. I could remember that event. Yeah. Know? Right. And my dad. So, so, my dad was a working man, and, and he worked a lot. And uh, any mm. time spent with him, you know, in a good way, <laughs> was memorable. Sure. You know, Johnny, so, thank you for is, thank you for calling, Johnny. I appreciate it a lot, Johnny. I love this dream. Thank Talk you, you so much. Bye. Yeah, that was a that Can was I, a great dream. Can I throw out one little comment on his dream? Yeah. I know he's off the line. Yeah. Well, I just want to say that recurring dreams are fascinating to me because they they show us what we're focused on and where we're where we're at. And and a lot of people, most people that come to me have recurring nightmares. Yeah. And 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 it's really it's exciting for me when somebody has a recurring like fabulous dream like this that is uplifting because it's every time Johnny B has that dream, it's like he's reinforcing that neuropathway in his brain 
that is telling him that it's okay to fly, that his dad's got him. And maybe he didn't get to spend a lot of time with him as much as he would have liked to. The time that he spent was special, and he can continue to spend those times with him. And I think that, you know, many people listening might have FOMO, dream FOMO, but you can actually transfer that dream energy onto you so you don't have to be jealous of Johnny B's awesome dream. Yeah. <laughs> now, John, who's screening your call, said he has a recurring dream where he meets his father, but his father is dead, and he asks his father, how can I be talking to you? And he says, it was a mistake. It was a mistake? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So, gosh, another John. All right. So, from one perspective, I think that our our departed loved ones, they do come to call in our dreams. And depending on when they've when they've left, and I wonder if John can tell us if if this dream how, how long his father has passed and how soon into his father's passing did this dream come? Is okay. he available to He's he's screening he's question? screening a call right now, but I know okay. that he had told me that his father died when he was like a sophomore in college, so, you know, 50 years ago or so. And uh, okay. I don't know when he started having the dream. Okay. Well, I'm just going to, I'm going to take a, a few assumptions and make a few leaps. Okay. So from one perspective, I think it takes a lot of love for a departed loved one to bust into our dream. I think that it's not just our memories, I think it is a combination. Sometimes it's simply our memories or it's a wish fulfillment because we miss these people that, that are passed on on the other side. But I think when they show up and it seems so real, it's almost, it's it's as if they really do make an appearance and they bust in from the other side to say, hello, I'm still with you. And John says to him, but dad, you're dead. And he says it's a mistake. And from my perspective, because words can get wonky in a dream, I don't know that it means exactly that i might interpret it as my death wasn't planned like i wish that i didn't die then i wish that i had more time with you it was a mistake meaning that i my my greater intent would have been to spend more time with you i'm sorry that i had to leave you so young that was it was a mistake based on my limited perspective so meaning like don't discard me because i'm dead like i'm still here with you and maybe you have a m- mistaken perspective that I'm actually dead because you never completely die. Just the body dies. But the spirit, which is the real being, I believe, that part doesn't die. So it's a mistake to think that they're dead. Yeah, that's, that's what I had thought. That's exactly when he told me about it. I said, well, the mistake is probably yours that you're thinking he's dead because no one's dead. Right. Right. All right, yes. we'll get to Jim from Chicago. Yes. There's room for you, too, at 888-876-5593. That's 8888-R-O-L-L-Y-E. This is a rare opportunity to find out about your dreams. Hey, take Kelly up on this, kellysullivanwalden.com on WGN Radio. Kiss, then you disappear. 
Little Eddie Hodges, Bandit of My Dreams, 1965 on Cadence, got to number 65 on the pop charts. He was a child actor. He was on a lot of those westerns, Bonanza and stuff, and did a lot of guest shots, Dick Van Dyke and all that. And his first hit was, uh, was I'm Gonna Knock on Your Door, much bigger record for him, but a lot of people don't realize that Eddie Hodges' I'm Gonna Knock on Your Door was actually a cover of the Isley Brothers version from 1959. Some night we'll play that. We are talking about dreams with a woman who knows all and tells most, Kelly Sullivan Walden, and it's kellysullivanwalden.com, a dream expert, certified hypnotherapist, author, speaker, and much more. You can check out that website and get all sorts of good info and stuff. But right now, you've got a once-in-a-lifetime, okay, maybe not that infrequent, but a rare opportunity to have your dream analyzed. You just have to be willing to tell it on 50,000 watts. But you can only use your first name, so it's good. 888-876-5593-8888. Raleigh, and that takes us to Jim from Chicago. Hello, Jim. How are you doing, Raleigh? Hi, Kelly. Kelly, you answered, Hi, I had a two-part question. Uh, you Great. answered the first one in your prior explanation of reoccurring dreams. Most okay. of my dreams, I had two jobs in my life, one right out of high school, and then one was my career. And I dream most of the time I'm back into both job sites. Most of the mm-hmm. dreams are nice, you know, prior. And then I was a, I was a, worked in a, uh, grocery warehouse prior to me. I'm a retired policeman, and I had oh, dreams. Wow. I'm back on the street, but they're all good dreams. But to explain, that was a good time in my life. Now, my, my second question is, why do I dream? What causes me to dream? Mm, How okay. do dreams Big. affect me? I mean, you know, what makes me dream at night? Good questions. Yes. Oh, my God, I want to answer them all. Wow, Jim, thank you so much. And by the way, my father is um, a retired police chief in Los Angeles. So I thank you for your service, and I appreciate you. All right, so first of all, you you kind of got the recurring aspect. When there's a recurring dream, it tends to denote importance. It means pay attention. It's kind of like the FedEx guy or gal leaving a note on your door telling you to pick up a package and they keep leaving the note until you come by and pick it up. So it means that you haven't completely picked it up yet. However, there's also this other perspective on recurring dreams that we all have recurring characters, recurring situations, recurring um, people, places, and things that are part of the backdrop of, of who are who we are in dreams. So if you are passionate about your job or if you were passionate about your job, it's likely that you're going to dream about it because we dream about the the aspects of ourselves that left a big, deep imprint. So to me, it tells me that you really cared about what you did. It tells me that there was a sense of self, a sense of yourself, especially I know when you're a cop, I mean, you put your life on the line every day and you never know if you're going to live or die that day and it's you know i think you you guys are most of the time unsung heroes 99.9 percent of the time and it's it's intense so i would imagine there was both like you said they're happy memories my dad has a lot of happy memories of being out there because people don't become cops from my perspective unless you have a hero archetype and there's it's like the best 
thing is to get to to spread those wings and fly as a hero. As a cop, you get to be in that heroic place. You get to put it to the test every day. So I imagine those were kind of like glory days. And dreaming about that is kind of like recapturing some of the essence, some of the fragrance, some of the 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 meat of that time and being able to bring some of that into your life now. Not that you want to go around being the cop everywhere, or being the, oh. the grocery warehouse guy everywhere, but there's that sense of importance and purpose and and it's even like testosterone and dopamine that is meant to like keep you awake and alive and and ha- on your toes in your life today. That's right. what I believe your dreams about. All right, Jim, thank you so, for calling. Riley, how about thank the you, dream Jim. of contentment by the Delves? Uh, okay, you got it. Okay, bye. <laughs> Why not? I take bumper requests from people like Jim anyway. Paul is in Chicago. <laughs> Welcome to WGN Radio. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have dreams, that, uh, recurring dreams that um, seem to be variations, but it's pretty much the same thing over time. Great. Uh, they usually okay. happen when I'm in some sort of level of stress. And yep. the dream is that this is like the senior year in college, and mm. uh, I never really got into the college that I thought I was going to get into. I was there all the time trying to do that, and then mm. uh, graduation is now uh, occurring or getting ready to start, and my family is coming to uh, uh, mm-hmm. to the uh, graduation, and I haven't even, uh, you know, I yep. haven't been there. To, <laughs> it's yep. not an unusual dream, no, probably. but really common. That, Really common. Yes. Yeah, that's very true. Um, most people go back to school in their dreams when they're in the midst of of struggling through a life lesson. And like you said, it's usually stress that will prompt this dream. And stress is indicative that you're that you're putting an aspect of yourself to the test. Like um, I can't remember who wrote the book, The Road Less Traveled. I think it was Scott Peck that said, "If we were wise." Every time we're stressed, we would we would be happy because we would know that we're about to learn a new lesson. We're about to become wiser. So I imagine these moments of stress, although not pleasant, they are they're times in your life where you're learning something, you're growing, and having to go back to school in this dream in this way that has you feel incomplete. And even like many people who are very successful have the quote unquote imposter syndrome that they don't have enough that they didn't finish that they did that they don't have enough degrees they don't they haven't read enough books they don't have something and usually those people are really the people that know quite a lot usually the slackers don't have dreams like this so i imagine paul that you're probably a very big like very conscientious and you probably know a heaven of a lot more than than you even give yourself credit for and you're not an imposter you've earned whatever place that you have that you've got in, in this life, and then some. All right, Paul. Good deal. Thanks well, for thank calling. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Appreciate I appreciate that very. You're much. welcome, Good Paul. Good deal. Thanks for calling. Yeah. Wow. I can't believe the hour is just about up, and I didn't even get to ask you about other dimensions and where we really go in dreams, and do we have other lives, what? and are we living parallel lives? So we have to have you back to yes. talk about that. I would love it, Raleigh. Thank you so much for having me on. And and yes to all of those questions, but we can go into more detail. Oh, yes. Looking (laughs) forward to it. All right. Thanks a lot. So, thank uh, you. Sweet dreams. You too.